Welcome to episode number 118 of the Effortless Swimming Podcast. I was fortunate enough to be joined by professional triathlete Angela Nath on today's episode. And if you are someone who enjoys thinking and reflecting on your sport, your life, things around that, I think you'll really enjoy today's episode. Angela is a very genuine person and she's someone who's done a lot of thinking and reflecting of her own over the past eight years that she's been a uh, been racing triathlon. And we talk about some ways that she's overcome anxiety around racing and performing, something that she dealt a lot with in the early days of her triathlon career. She also mentions a book that she's read five or six times that she's been able to use and get a lot from when it comes to becoming a, a fearless and a very competitive racer. We also talk about how she uses journaling at the start of the day and at the end of the day to help her set her course, set her targets, and also reflect on things that she's done well and what she could do better the next day. And I share some ways that I've done something very similar uh, with journaling as well. And she also talks about the I Race Like a Girl community that she's built over the past couple of years that has given her a lot of meaning and purpose in what she's doing outside of her own racing. And this, I found, had a lot in common with Angela and I uh, really enjoyed the chat with her. It was, uh, she gives a lot of very actionable things that you can do in your own swimming or triathlon to maybe set your course a little differently, reflect on what or where you're going. And, uh, and she also shares, is very open about a lot of the things um, that she's been through over the past couple of years. So before we get into today's episode, I just want to update you on a couple of things. The Hell Week Camp in Thailand this October uh, is fully booked. There's a waiting list now on the website if you'd like to join the waiting list. There's already quite a few people on it, so it is unlikely that you will get a spot uh, if you do join that waiting list, but you can always put your name down for next year, and we can let you know when we are opening spots for next year's camp. Our Hawaii camp in March is currently half full, so there's only uh, about six spots left for that, and that's happening in March in Oahu next year. So you can go to the effortlesswimming.com website to find out more about that. And finally, I mentioned a few weeks ago about the paddle that uh, I'm in the process of developing alongside uh, alongside uh, another another person, another coach. And uh, it's actually been in development for two years. I've sort of just come on board to uh, help put the finishing touches on it. Um, the, where we're at currently with that is we're putting or getting four to five prototypes made. So the design is uh, is set. We're now just kind of coming up with the right uh, the right mix of materials to make sure it's got the right uh, buoyancy and feel and shape to it. So uh, I'll keep you updated as we go, but that's going to be launching on Kickstarter. It's probably going to be at the end of July, possibly August now. Uh, but this uh, this paddle, I'm really excited about um, some of the the I guess the mechanics around how it's designed really to help with the early part of the catch, which is one of the key things that you can do as a swimmer or that you can focus on as a swimmer. And, uh, and this paddle, the way that it's been designed and shaped, it will allow you to, it kind of will teach you and train you to, to set up the catch in the right way. So um, as details uh, sort of come out, I'll, uh, I'll keep you updated and, um, and if you follow us on Instagram or Facebook, I'll also be putting up some shots and some videos um, as we start to get them. So if you're not following us there, you can just follow us at Effortless Swimming on uh, Instagram or Facebook. So let's get into the podcast. Here's Angela Nath and uh, really enjoyed this conversation. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast, the show that helps swimmers and triathletes love the water, become a better swimmer and live a better life. Here's your host, Brenton Ford. 
So, Angela, thanks for joining me on the, the podcast. I've been sort of following you on uh, on Instagram for a little while and um, and then I thought it'd be great to get you on a on a podcast. And I looked back at our emails and um, we had a brief email exchange about six or seven years ago, um, just oh, wow. sort of briefly talking about... Um, <laughs> About about swimming, but um, yeah, it's just it's just funny looking back at that. But uh, I mean, you're um, you've been racing for about eight years now, and yes. as a pro, I think is that right? Yes, yeah. And um, with a lot of half Ironman and, and, and full distance Ironman uh, man events under your belt. So, um, what are you what are you working towards at the the moment? You've um, for those that are listening, they may not know you've been through a pretty rough last couple of months with Lyme disease. Yeah, so um, I was diagnosed with Lyme disease in May, and I've and just since then I've been on antibiotics and treatments and protocols, and um, you know my overall my overall goal is obviously to get healthy and and get back to some racing. Um, I just did the Boulder Ironman, which um, you know my running was by far nowhere near where it sh- should be, but um, it's a local race, and I wanted to see what kind of where I was at. And, um, so for now we're just kind of taking it week by week every day and just kind of seeing how the body responds. Um, with this, with this infection, things go up and down quite regularly. So, um, we just honestly don't have anything on the schedule and I wake up, I talk to my coach, who's also my boyfriend and we connect and say, okay, how about we try this? And and we, and we kind of just take it every day. So, um, I'm not really sure what tomorrow brings, but I'm obviously hoping for the best. And every week I can see improvements. It's just a matter of a stair step. You know, it's not like a lineal improvement. It's basically I get to a point, I kind of plateau, I maybe go down a little bit and then go back up. And um, so it's been a whirlwind for sure. Yeah, I bet. And what have you, what have you I guess, put in place or how have you managed to, to cope with it in the last couple of months? Because I... I know when I'm injured or, or sick, it's just, it's as an athlete, it's so frustrating to have to, to put up with that and not be able to, to train or compete at your, your full capacity. Are, are there any things that you've done that have, that's helped you manage that? Um, I kind of think of it as, um, I, ju- I just put it in perspective, you know, like about three or four months ago, I was in a very, very bad spot. I couldn't walk downstairs properly and, I didn't know what was going on. And so to now have a diagnosis and understand what's happening, I'm, I'm pretty grateful. I, I, I have days where, you know, I'm pretty sick and I don't feel well. And, um, and I question like if I'm ever going to get better. Um, but overall I just take it, um, I take it each day and I'm very, very grateful for the treatment that I'm on. Um, so I just try to keep a positive mindset and focus on what I can do all the time. And, um, I take the extra rest and, you know, there's not much more that I can do. Um, and so I just have accepted it and it's, um, it's a choice, you know, it's a choice of positive mindset and positive attitude and, um, just trying to keep moving forward. Yeah. And you've, you've done quite a bit of work with a, a psychologist over the last yes. <laughs> eight, eight years. And I know, um, you talk a lot about, uh, about finding the, the the stillness in in racing amongst amongst other things. What um what role do you does your psychologist play at the moment? What how often do you talk? What sort of things do you talk about? And how's it helped you out? Yeah. So when I started with Red Bull about four years ago, um, 
I read this book called The Fearless Mind by Craig Manning, and it's an amazing book. Um, and it's it's all about sports psychology and also life psychology. Um, and it's just basically creating a mindset of 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 not being afraid and um, really taking control. And so when I worked with Redball, I found out that he worked with some of the athletes. Um, and so I quickly connected with my athlete manager at Red Bull. And I said, is there any way I can connect with Craig? Because I am in love with his book. And, I, you know, um, I've read it like five times and I would just love to connect with them. And she's like, oh my gosh, you can talk to him every week if you want. I'm like, really? <laughs> I was, so I was, I was just overwhelmed. And so we got connected and we've been chatting almost every week for the last three years, I would say. Um, you know, a few weeks would go by without us connecting, but we definitely... Like, if I were to text him right now, we would set up a time in the next few days. Um, and we usually talk um, once or twice a week, um, if I need to. Um, um, but typically, it's just once a week, once every two weeks. And we started just chatting about the races and how to change my mindset to be focused on very specific things in the race. Um, and having keywords and and um, every day... Uh, I would write in a journal and just have like very quick three Q, three keywords. Like for example, one of them would be um, a can do mindset. So that's very, it's simple. It's just very positive mindset and you just have that in your mind. Um, but then over the years, it's kind of conversed to really working more, more being externally aware of your environment um, understanding that, you know, it's, it's, it's not just you racing, it's, it's the environment that you're in that you're racing and, and just kind of being, being in control of yourself within that. Um, we talk a lot about, um, I mean, anything that goes on my, goes on in my life. I talked about, um, I've been through divorce. I've, I've had, you know, a lot of DNFs. I've had injuries. I've had this Lyme disease. Um, so we've, he just really fine tunes my, my head. <laughs> yeah. So. And I think it, especially at that level of, of racing, you know, as a, as a professional triathlete and the, the very pointy end of the field, you know, it's often it can just come down to your, your mindset on the day and how you, if you can push through the, the challenges that you get. And it's, um, it's really about the one percenters at the level that you're, that you're racing at. Even, even from, I guess your more um, age group athletes, it's, uh, they can, have some big improvements or big changes in the results that they get based on, on what they're thinking. And, um, mm -hmm. especially as, um, you know, if, if you're doing this, if you're doing this full time, the mind games can, it's very easy to let them get the, the better of you. And, uh, with, um, with this book, what's the, the fearless mind? What, what were the sort of main takeaways that you got from the book? What, what caused you to read it five times? Um, well, it's a very simple read. It's, it's a small book. Um, and it's just, uh, the way that he talks in the book or he writes in the book, um, is just very simple cues and, and, and understanding. He, he basically, um, in the book, it makes you just feel confident. Um, what I got out of it was really how simple things could be rather than always thinking about the what ifs and stuff. And it's, it, it's really just embracing the now, the moment and, and being in the moment and the, and, and how to do that. So a lot of the times, like 
he used to be a tennis player, so he related it to tennis a lot. And so if he was in a match, you know, um, and his mind was, was unraveling, he would focus on his backhand and it would just be a very specific part of the backhand, like the flick of his wrist. Um, and so every time he would go into a match, it would be, um, like for example, and I don't know anything about tennis, but say, um, uh, flick your wrist to the right. And so he would just say, say in his head, flick, right, flick, right, flick, right. So it's very, just very simple things at first that you need to focus on so that you don't have all this external stimulus and talk in your head. That's that, that could be negative. And then from there, the book kind of goes into the negative self-talk and like the things that we say to ourselves. And the key, the key out of all of it is, is really that internal chatter you have and what you say to yourself. And so a lot of the times um, we keep a journal and, and we, and we just, we, we have to choose our words. And so he's helped me create little cues and um, things to look at every day where I, I can really just choose those words and like have them as cues so that if my mind is unraveling to certain aspects, I can go back to those all the time. And um, an example of this um in a race is, you know, just, just the words, I am strong. Like it just, it just helped me focus on, on, you know, the power output of, um, on the bike or, um, it's just very, very simple things. And he just made it very profound within the simplicity of it. Mm. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's what I, I think is really the, um, the key to, the key to doing things well is to find the simplest form of it. And that comes down to um, your mindset. And I mean, we run a lot of swimming clinics here in Australia and we've been doing it for the last four or five years. And at the start we did, there's about 24 different drills throughout the clinic and it was just, it was just overload. And I think that really the, um, the trying to find the simplest way to do it is, is the mm-hmm. best way. So now we do, it's like four or five drills. Um, it's simplified down into two or three key points, but the results that we get now compared to five years ago is, is so much better just because it's, it's really boiled down to the simplest form of things. So um, yeah, it's, it's great that he's, that he's able to do that. And the funny thing about flow, and I mean, you're with the, the Red Bull team and they're really all about getting into to flow. Um, with all mm-hmm. of their, their athletes. And, and the thing about that is as soon as you think about getting into flow, you've lost it as soon as you, mm-hmm. uh, so it, it, it's a very um, challenging thing to do. But I was chatting with a guy, Grant Giles, he's a, a triathlon coach here in Australia and coaches a lot of the, the pro guys over here. And he's very big into um, to mindset and psychology. And he said that with one of his athletes who was actually a, a surf ski paddler, um, in order to get into the flow, all he had him do was just think about the feel of the paddle in the water with every stroke that he was taking. And that's it. The, you, you don't want to think about um, anything else. It's just feeling the, feeling the paddle in the water. And for swimming, you know, for, for me, it's just um, the, the first part of the catch, just kind of getting the feel for that entry out in front, the early part of the catch. And then if I just focus on that, the rest of it tends to, uh, to come easily yeah. and I can just get in the zone really, really well. And, um, yeah, with your writing in the journal, what's can you go into a bit more detail with that? What's the process that you you go through on a, a daily basis with writing in a journal? Because I find that really helpful for for reflection, for setting up the day right, just sitting down and and writing things by hand. Yeah, so kind of how he lays it out is 
you want to have an objective and it doesn't have to be for the objective for the specific day, but an objective within the week and something that's just a little bit beyond your reach. So some type of goal, and it doesn't have to be very specific. Like I want to swim a hundred and one ten or whatever. Um, it could be very, very, um, very open, um, to, to basically, you know, you want to be able to lay down a foundation of four weeks of training, for example. So like that would be your objective for the next month. And then, and then what you want to do is look at a plan. So the planning part is where we find, find those, um, like a specific skill or action that you want to take to achieve achieve and now it's not a task it's not a to-do list or anything but so these are the things where he's he's helped me so for example um this morning I wrote um in my plan to live in the present to focus ex to focus externally and so what that means is more be be aware of your ex your external environment rather than just always internal thinking all the time so being able to not just react, but be able to, to, um, to act upon what's happening as it's coming. So it's, so it's not a reactive, like, oh my gosh, I have to do this. I have to do that. But it's just focusing on, on, on understanding what's going on around you. And so that's a lot of words. And so to create a very simple objective and a plan, it's to focus externally. And then the other one for, for me, um, for this morning was to, to stay calm. And so they're very, very simple words. So live in the present, focus externally and stay calm. And so throughout the day, these are the things that I say to myself, I think about, and it just kind of puts me in this type of mindset. Um, you know, my objective for today was just to have a solid training day and being, be, be, and being able to recover. Um, and so those were my objective objectives towards that. So it's, it's, it's not looking at numbers and the, and the overall, um, kind of goal oriented approach that a lot of people use. And then from there in the evening, what you do is you look at what you did well for that day. So for example, um, I can go over today so the things that I did, I did well is I ate well. I had really good nutrition, so I was very in the present for that. Um, I took the day in stride. I was able to take a nap. I, you know, I really focused on how on how I was feeling, and I also completed all my training. And so I correlate it with my plan, and and then look at my strengths, and then. The last part is the key part is one thing that I can improve. So rather than focusing on all the negative mindset, it's more about three things you did well in that day and one thing you can improve on. And so one thing that I wrote um, for today was I can, I can definitely eat a lot more vegetables. <laughs> I mean, so it's just very, very small things. But then I take that and I take that over to the next day. So Looking at what I looked at today, you know, it looks like nutrition is kind of a, a thing that I've been focusing on. And so that's something I can look at as an objective for the next day. And then part and then part of the whole thing is to actually evaluate yourself. And so you want to look at your motivation. So what was my motivation to have a solid tra uh, 
training day? Was it high? Was it low? And you kind of scale yourself from one to five. And then the, and then the next part is if I have any anxiety toward it, um, or, and then what's my concentration, what's my confidence level and what type of decision making have I done? If those are all technically quite high, then you found a really good objective. You found a good plan and you were able to improve and grow as a person. But if you find that your motivation was lacking or your concentration was low, you had really high anxiety, um, you may want to relook at your objectives. And so it's just a constant process of continually like evaluating yourself and evaluating what you're saying in your head. A lot of the stuff that we talk about in the, uh, um, is just the communication that you say to yourself is so important. Like the narrative that you say, um, you know, whether it be good, bad, you know, some people don't even know that they're, that they're saying just crap to themselves, you know, and um, this type of, of psychology and the process that we went through has really taught me like some of the fears and the, and the negative mindset and, and, um, and the what ifs, you know, it's all just words in my head that, uh, that I'm ultimately in control of. And so he's really taught me to be able to create a day, a narrative and, um, a way of life to really, to really embrace everything. Um, and so it's, it's been a really good learning experience for the last few years. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. It reminds me a bit of, uh, I've got this, it's called the five minute journal. I don't know if you've heard of it. Oh, it sort of yes. follows a similar sort of, yeah, yeah. It follows a similar sort of process and, um, I'm not, I don't get to do it every day, but when I do, usually I, I'm pretty good at sticking to that, that plan and the things that it asks in the, the daily journal. So in the morning you, you write three things that you're grateful for, what would make mm -hmm. today great daily affirmations. So it's kind of like the, uh, that it's that that mind the yeah that the plan yeah. and um those those cues and then at the end of the day you look at three amazing things that happened today and how could i have made today better and it's just you know it's only you know, it's one page um for each day it takes you five ten minutes in total but it's a, it's a good mm -hmm. way just to set your direction for the day and um and to also evaluate it and you know, it's like uh, last week or two weeks ago, I was in uh, I was in Queensland and I was running some clinics up there and I, I was up in Cairns and, and the clinics went really, really well and the results that we got for people were, the people just made some good changes and um, I was just in a good, a really good headspace that day. So I looked at, right, what did I, how did I start the day and, and what did I, what, what caused that? So it's, I, I just got up, I did 15 minutes of, of yoga. Um, I did about two, three minutes of, uh, of just, meditation just settling my mind and then i had a healthy breakfast and then i um throughout the clinics i you know, i didn't eat any any crappy food and um that's all it was it was so simple but just looking back at that i go okay if i want to continue that that habit and continue to um to have clinics run really well that's what i've got to do i've got to follow something mm -hmm. along those lines and um when i was growing up we'd have a a log book for uh, for our workouts. So you'd write down your workouts and basically go through similar things like how's my sleep, how's my eating. And, uh, and we used to, I did that for about six or seven years, just tracking almost every single day with how we felt, what the workouts was, what, um, what our times were. And it's just, um, it's a really good way to just get your step outside of that, that 15 minute loop that your mind often goes through with the, the self-talk and, uh, mm -hmm. and to just kind of, um, yeah, step, step outside of that. Hmm. 
Yeah, no, I actually really like it. And I've learned over the, like, pretty much the same thing, like, what, what, what keywords really help me every day and that, and that really, um, I'm able to adapt to, you know? And so, so a lot of the time in my, in my daily writing, I almost do the same things over and over again for about a month until it just becomes ingrained. And then once I get it ingrained, then I feel like I've moved to the next step and I can look at, look and focus on something else now because everything else has just been able to be solidified. Yeah. Yeah. It makes, it makes sense. It's like making changes to your, to your technique. You know, we, it's, we say you got to give it at least normally six to eight weeks to, to replace old habits or to change the habits. And and then they become solidified. You, You can do them under pressure when you're racing, you can hold that form without having to think about it. Um, but the same mm-hmm. thing goes for for anything that you're working on with your mindset as well. It, it does take time to become a part of you. And mm-hmm. with that, you're being part of the, the Red Bull team. It sounds like I do some pretty uh, some pretty cool uh, camps and um, and events. What what sort of stuff have you enjoyed the most working with those guys? Yeah, they're pretty phenomenal. You know, I'm I'm very very grateful um, for them as a sponsor. Um, they have opened up my athletic career, um, me as a person. Um, I've been to a few camps, and one of the camps that really stuck out to me, we did a fear camp basically, and throughout the we we were out for five days, and we didn't know what was coming on or anything, but there was a there was a good group of about fifteen athletes and. The first day we had to go on stage and basically cry in front of everybody and then be happy. And, um, you know, I'm not someone to go on stage and I, I, you know, I, I don't do that stuff. And so I found that extremely hard. And by the end of the camp, by the end of that day, I was able to on call, be able to cry and on call, be able to be in, in ecstatic joy or be really angry. And, um, it just, it just gave me this confidence and, then some other time, um, the very next day, uh, what they did is they brought us to this area in the forest and it was up in Montana and we were just kind of talking on these logs and stuff. And then all of a sudden someone says bear and we look around and there's this grizzly bear coming, coming toward us. And so like they had it all set up because it was just more about trying to really embrace fear and how to control it. Um, and so that was really, I, I mean, like they just shocked us every single time. And, um, did you come to I expect mean, it at the end of the camp or was it still? No, every day, like we kind of knew what we were getting ourselves into, but it wasn't just like, oh my gosh, we're going to be afraid. It was more of an empowerment, um, in terms of everything that they brought us, it, like what they brought to us. And, um, it was funny. It was during that camp that I decided I wanted to get a complete divorce. And so it was very, <laughs> very confident because um, at the time we were separated and we weren't knowing what we we're going to do. And I just, it just gave me an, just gave me an understanding of who I was as a person and, um, and what I stood for. And so uh, I, you know, I'm forever grateful for that. And, um, and that's just one example Um Another camp we did was we went from high altitude up to like 10,000 feet. Um, then we went down to Death Valley and we did a bunch of testing. 
um, because they they have a lot of scientists on board um, in the athletic side, and they really want to focus on improving their athletes. And so I was a guinea pig for that for for that um, camp. And, um, you know, they just really help you overall. Like, again, like they've they've hooked me up with Craig and um, they don't see you just as an athlete. They see you as a whole person and they really want you to grow and 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 be able to share your sport with others. And um, I mean, they have opened up so many opportunities. I was able to do a triathlon camp for collegiate kids um, in January this past this past winter. And I had such a blast. I was able to teach them what I know. And, um, we actually did a, a presentation with Craig and my coach and, um, we were able to do testing on these kids. And then, um, and that was the s- second year I've done that. And so they just are always open to ideas and projects. And, um, so I'm hoping to continue those and, and seeing kind of where it will lead. That's really cool. What, what do you enjoy yeah. about, uh, what do you enjoy about coaching? What do you get out of it? What do you, what are your favorite things yeah. about it? Cause it's very different to, um, to racing. You've got to kind of be, uh, it's a different focus, isn't it? So yeah. What, what do you, what do you like most about it? I like the communication and the relationships that you develop, you know, um, as an athlete myself and having a coach and have, and have had a variety of coaches, it helps me even understand myself. Um, cause we're all kind of the same. We all have the same fears. We all have the same doubts and, you know, um, just being able to communicate to the, to, to another person about a fear of like open water swimming or, or trying to find that zone in, in a race. It kind of just helps me as a, me as a person as well, because I'm able to, to, understand it and communicate it and um I really love seeing when people succeed because it it just it's just such a fun experience like I am so inspired when I when I'm able to help someone achieve their goals and you know when you see people cross the finish line or they text me and said oh my gosh I did this today and you know I just love being part of that process and then at the same time you know things can go bad as well and um it's just it's it's, I love the connection, you know, it's, Mm. it's something that's part of this sport that I, you know, it's a very lonely sport in the terms of like, when you're out racing, it's a very individualized sport and being able to coach and connect with other people and, and, and be part of their process, um, has really enriched my life basically. Um, I love it. (laughs) Yeah, that's really cool. I've, I found a similar thing going from, um, going from just competing to, to, to coaching is that for me, I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm sort of more on the, the introverted side. Like I'm uh, um, typically not that much of a, yeah, an extrovert in terms of mm-hmm. um, socializing and that sort of thing. But with coaching, like you're, you know, in front of a group of people or one to one, there's a, you've almost got to turn that around for, for when it comes to, to coaching and, and not be afraid to uh, be outspoken and speak to a group and, um, and just have that that connection. And for me, it's really sort of helped me become a, a bit more balanced in in that side of things, from introvert to extrovert, and um, and having that kind of community. So you, I mean, you've got the I race like a girl um, community, which you've started in the last two years or so, and, and building the mm-hmm. building building that group. And I've found uh, you know, I've, I've run a Hell Week camp in Thailand at, at Tanya Pura over there for the last four or five years, and 
Um, and I've just started oh. running camps and just, just having a group of, you know, we get people who come every year and just having that relationship with people, it's, that's a really big kick that I, I wasn't expecting mm. to get from the camps, but you know, once you sort of develop those relationships, you see people get results. It's just, um, that's what makes it all, all worth it is the relationships in the end. And I mean, how, tell me a bit more about the I've Raced Like a Girl community and how that started. Yeah, it actually kind of started with that with that idea in mind. You know, I'm very similar to you. I'm not someone to go out and party. And I'm not like I love talking and connecting with people, but I'm not I'm not the I'm not the extrovert type. You know, I love being around people, um, but I definitely like my alone time. Mm. So when I was going through divorce, actually, a couple of years ago, um, and I was trying to reflect back on why I do this sport, what I loved about this sport. And um, a lot of it was the homestays I had, the connection. Like, I'm just a very connection person. And I wanted to create a community, a, a community that I could help others. And, you know, just from the um, example of coaching, you know, I was really inspired by that. And it was like, how can I create something that I can help more people, that I can, you know, have conversations with with, with people. And we're so connected online now. Um that I wanted to create a community where they could have homestays, where someone on the team from Florida could go up to Washington or to Hawaii and have another team member, or if they wanted to go to a race together, or they could they could go together. And so it kind of started from that, and um, I just started creating a website, putting things together, and um, it just kind of flourished. And you know, I coach a lot of the members on the team. I wouldn't say a lot, but a few. Um, and then also outside, but, um, and then we also have, um, we've done team events. We have, we have a really good group in the Boston area. Um, I'm in Colorado right now. So we just had a kind of a meetup here. And so we're having these small little pockets kind of being created. And, 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 and now you see a lot of these, uh, these athletes connecting with each other for bike rides. And, and, you know, we, we had someone go race in Hawaii and they had to stop in, Vegas. And so they had a homestay there. We had people, um, we're connected with apps. It's just, it's just a fun, inspiring everyday connection. You know, like I could go onto our little apps that we have that like everyone's connected to, they have access to me. They can text me, you know, I'm very, very open. And, um, you know, we encourage each other. If there's certain questions that are more female specific, obviously the group is very close knit. And so we are able to open ourselves up to that. And just for me in general, um, it's just been so eye-opening. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. It's just been so eye-opening because I've just been able to see see where I'm as an athlete and where some people who are just starting the sport. And really, um, you know, like we had um, a Girls Get Gritty event, which Shimano sponsored, and we brought a bunch of girls together and – we had food and drinks and wine and everything. And, um, and the main, the main aspect of it was to teach about the bike. And a lot of people that came did not know how to change a tire. And it's just like, that's a very simple thing that I've just taken for granted because I've done it for so many years. And, um, so it's just going from like the very, very simple things to actual mindset changes and talking about how to race or how to use heart rate and, um, we just kind of go over all aspects and it, and it's created a community within, within, um, like, like a global reach. And so, um, it's just been super fun. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. And I think as, uh, as a, as an athlete, as a professional triathlete, having 
something outside of just your racing gives you can give you mm-hmm. a lot more purpose around what you're doing and having that community there as well. Uh, because I see well, what I've seen just with with other um, high level swimmers and and triathletes is the ones who haven't got that sort of community outside of just their their racing. Uh, it it is very easy to get caught in your own head and um, mm-hmm. and just be so focused on what you're doing that it's it's very easy to um to just um become a bit too insular with that so um having something bigger than yourself is a is something that can really drive you for longer and and give you that purpose and and meaning and um and that's what i found when i was sort of as i was in my late late teenage years i was um i was starting to get pretty focused on just on just me and it was very easy to to get caught in my own thoughts um all too often and uh mm-hmm. yeah and now that i've building um, building effortless swimming and um building this this community it's I'm, I'm really driven to to work and then with with my training and, and all of that stuff it's very um it, it gives me something else to um to work towards yeah actually um that was really part of it that i've noticed over the you know obviously going through this lime stuff and and everything it's it's giving me a sense of purpose as well because we just inspire each other and it, it's um um, it's helped me kind of think outside of myself, like you were saying, you know, um, when I first started the sport, it, I was with a coach that was just like, you can't have any friends, you can't, like, you just got to focus on yourself, like everything's just so like one sided. And that's not who I am as a person. And so I never really thrived. Um, but once I started doing this community and really, um, you know, doing the podcast, going out to these camps, doing, doing more things with people, you know, that I love in the sport. I mean, that's what made me thrive. And that's what made me excited to get up in the morning and, and do well and actually want to concentrate on my training more because, you know, I would have like, like I would have to manage my time a little bit more as well. Whereas, you know, if if I didn't have anything else going on in my life, it was just so focused on every little aspect that, that I found myself not thriving. Um, I would thrive for a while and, and there's a time and place where you definitely need to like think, like take care of yourself and stuff. But I think I've created a pretty good balance with that. You know, I can, I can shut things down very, very quickly. Like I was tired today, so I took a nap, you know, like I, like, like I really am in tune with that. Um, and it's just kind of, um, I think having, having coming from like an extreme side of it to a more balanced side has created a really good understanding of what I need as an athlete and as a person and um uh so just overall it's really it really improved my life a lot yeah yeah and it's um everyone's everyone's different you know there you you've got um you know you said your coach said you can't have any friends you've got to be focused on you all (laughs) all of this but but everyone is is so different and you know you see that with um even with some of the let's say tennis players you know there's you've got um Djokovic, who he seems like a, a real character, um, plays plays around a lot. Where you've got other guys like Nadal, who who seem like they're a lot more sort of uh, focused and and aren't having as much fun, sort of thing. But it's, it's different for each person. Uh, but it's like it's like what I say to a lot of parents. So we get quite a few kids who come to the the clinics and so on. But the uh, some of the parents are too focused on the kids getting results early on in their life, and they're not. Um, they're not interested in, in the kids necessarily having 
having fun, learning good values, becoming good people. Whereas they're not going to stick around in the sport for long if they're not enjoying it and if they're not fulfilling those those other other needs. And it, it, the same thing goes for adults. If you're if you're not fulfilling the I guess the the social needs and if you're not um, uh, having something just outside your racing, it's it's very hard to keep on going. So um, you've got mm-hmm. to find what works for you. And just based on my experience, it, it can take quite a while to to really figure that out. And um, I mean, how old are you? How old are you now? I just turned thirty six. Just turned thirty six. So I mean, I remember when um, I'm I'm thirty at the moment. I remember when I was early twenties. I thought I knew it all, and um, you, you know, just I thought I was so confident that I that I had everything sorted. And now I look back and go. I was such an idiot, even in my early 20s, but you feel like such an adult. Um, and, and you might have felt in your 30s that, you, that, you're, uh, that you still had so much more to, um, to, to know. And um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. But it's just, uh, it's interesting looking back and seeing um, what you believed and what you thought and what you did 5, 10, 15 years ago and, and how it changes and evolves uh, to where you are now. Oh, yeah. Um, I used to keep a journal and I was looking back like when I first started the sport at that at that time. And I was just I was lost. Like um, you could tell I was just not happy and I was focused on such small, silly things. And I just put so much pressure on myself. Whereas when I took that away over the years, I was able to race and perform. Um, So, um, yeah, you definitely change over the years and, and just it helps to look back and, and think what the heck was I thinking. <laughs> yeah, that, that's right. I, I look back at the first uh, Hell Week camp in Thailand that I ran, which was, I think it was about five years ago now. And I was 20, I must've been 25 at the time. Um, and I'm just, I'm just wrapped that people decided to, decided to come along on a camp with me when I was 25 years of age and, you know, had a group of about 25 athletes there and um (laughs) and yeah we've made some big changes in in that time but it's just um but you don't get to where you are now without having gone through that so it's just the it's just the process that you that you need to go through but it it is worth reflecting on and and just sort of seeing how far how far you've come yeah definitely definitely what um with your racing what is what's been the most challenging race that you've had to do in terms of pushing yourself past where you thought you could ever get to what race was that for you hmm that's a tough question um every race just (laughs) redlining (laughs) uh actually I think the hardest race uh um was 70.3 worlds I can't remember what year it was I think it was 2012 or 2013 I crashed um like three miles into the bike and had a severe road rash and blew my front tire and my front wheel was broken. Um, luckily, uh, support came and I got to exchange my wheel, but I was in such pain. Um, that was, that was a mindset change. It was like, I really had to focus on, on, on just getting through it. And I kind of hurt my hip as well. And so I continued to run, um, when I got to the run and that was just, a that was a soul searching race. Mm. Um, I wasn't physically broken or anything, but, you know, after you go through a pretty hard crash, you know, um, and my whole side, my shoulders were just, were just ratched. And, um, yeah, I would have to say that was, that was one of the most mental, mental difficulty ones, (laughs) the most difficult one. Yeah. Do you, do you feel that it's, uh, that it helped you for races later on putting it in perspective or just, yeah, you you know, 
I think I think every race you learn something. Obviously, um, you know whether you fin you finish or you don't finish, or you really push through a a barrier. Um, so I th- I think it's just kind of an an add on to the very next race and who you are, like how you're developing as a person and growing as a person. I wouldn't say that race like end all be all taught me something uh, profound where you know I'm a new person, but it definitely helped me develop into the person I am now. Like I, um, you know, I'm, I have a lot of grit and, and, um, you know, I will push through a lot. And so, you know, just building on that process is, is what I got out of that race basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, uh, it's just adding the building blocks, isn't it? To your, to your foundation. And it's, um, I think even about two years ago, I was, uh, in terms of kind of distance uh, triathlon, distance swimming, um, I hadn't really done a whole lot of it. I think I ran my first marathon about a, two years ago. Um, yeah, probably about two and a half years ago. But um, and to me, doing that marathon was a was a big, big thing. And I saw anyone who was running sort of 50, 7500 k runs or more is just like, there's no way you could possibly I could possibly do that. But you just kind of it's like it's this graduated exposure to things that you're either afraid of or you think aren't possible that you, your mindset you just sort of step it up and you go oh, I can do this I can do this and we did um I did a 20k swim in February um from basically Perth to Rottnest Island which is an island 20k off the, oh, the coast wow. and uh mm-hmm. but before that my longest swim was was 10ks and I'd done a couple of 10k sessions as a junior absolutely killed me and I thought like that that's a long way to go but then in training for that event a 10k training session is like it's no big deal and I, I imagine it's the same way when you're building up towards Ironman I mean you've done it for a long time so it's just for you it's like you know probably doing a 150 200 kilometer bike ride it's, it's no big deal you just it's just something that you that you do and you get you get used to um, but mm. seeing that from people who are just getting into the sport or look at it from the outside they go how the hell do you do what you do that's just crazy yeah no definitely um you know, when I first started the sport, I never even knew what Ironman was. And now, <laughs> you know, and so it's just, it, it's a neat process you go through. Um, it's definitely, and then just in your training, you know, every week, every year that you do the sport, you kind of build on it over and over and over again. And um, it really exposes you to a lot of things that you never thought possible, maybe a couple years ago, five years ago, or even like a month ago, you know, it's, um, it's a really neat process. Mm. And what, five, 10, 15 years down the track, what do you see yourself doing? Where Do you, do you think you'd, you'd like to go into full-time coaching, continue to build the, the community? Where do you see yourself heading? Yeah, I, I try not to like think too far ahead because <laughs> it kind of freaks me out. <laughs> not 15, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, right now, I, I, I really just try to follow my passions and my, and my, and my love and so I definitely want to continue building the community and I love coaching. So I'll definitely probably progress more and more into that. Um, you know, I love, I love racing. I don't think I'll ever stop racing. Um, you know, if I'm, if I turn to a point where I'm not racing professionally, I will definitely still be racing. I just, I just love the sport too much. Um, and I love being part of it. And so I see myself definitely part of that, doing camps, doing something to kind of be connected with other people. Um, uh, Maybe have a kid. I have no idea. <laughs> but um, but definitely continue forward 
the path that I'm doing. Um, and it may just change and morph into something else. But I, I've, I found when I left my job as a physical therapist and I pursued triathlon, that was my goal was to live a day, live every day that I wanted. And, um, so far I have, and, uh, I hope to continue to do that. That's really cool. Well, I, um, I appreciate you being on the podcast and, um, where can people get in touch with you? What are your, uh, yeah, pro- yeah. yeah. Um, it's just, it's just Angela Nath, N-A-E-T-H. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I have, um, a website. You can contact me there. Pretty much if you just do a search of my name, you can connect with me and, um, I'd be happy to answer any questions or if you have any team questions about the team or, or anything. Um, and then if you wanted to check out the team, it's iracelikeagirl.com. And yeah. Awesome. I appreciate you being on the podcast. Yeah, no, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. If you'd like us to help you become a faster, more efficient swimmer, go to www.effortlessswimming.com.